God is good. All the time. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you here this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad you're spending some time with us. This is such an exciting time of year. Um, as I was preparing my message, I began to think about my childhood and uh, the Christmases that we had. I grew up in the country, and um, so we would uh, all hop in the truck. Mom would make some hot chocolate, and we would get in the truck, and we would go out in the woods by the house, and we would spend a lot of time out there, actually, looking for the perfect Christmas tree. And we would come home and put the Christmas tree in the family room. And there was a pot belly stove in there, so dad would make a fire in the fireplace. And mom generally would have some snacks waiting for us so that we could just spend a great evening decorating the tree. Once the lights got on the tree, most of what went on then were the decorations that we, the children, had made. And so um, I love those memories. And on Christmas Eve, we would go to bed early in anticipation of Christmas morning. And my mom and dad married at a young age, and so they were almost as excited for us to get up and see our gifts as we were to get up and give them. So we would go to bed, and of course, it took us a long time to fall asleep, but the next morning, mom and dad would wake us up really early, and we would go to the family room, and we would begin to look under the tree for the presents that had our name on them. And it was mass chaos from that point on. There's people are ripping paper and just a little bit crazy. And once all of that was cleaned up, mom would go into the kitchen and began um, making Christmas lunch. And I still can smell the ham permeating the air and then um, I, I think I've shared with you, both of my grandparents died when I was fairly young. And so my grandmother, Anders, she would come um, and spend every holiday with us because my dad was an only child and we were her only grandchildren. And so she would come every holiday and spend with us. So we would anxiously await her arrival because we knew what was coming with her arrival and that was more gifts. <laughs> so she would arrive and then there would be chaos all over again with the ripping of the paper and uh, high noise level. And uh, as, as we grew older, I do remember both my brothers play the guitar. I remember them pulling out the guitars and we would sing Christmas carols. So I have some really cool memories of Christmas. As we begin memory making for Christmas 2023, we come together today for the, this time of preparation and leading up to Christmas referred to as Advent. The word Advent means coming, and it refers to the coming of a king. Traditionally, Advent is a time of prayer and preparation to help believers slow down. We want to slow down enough so that we can reflect on our Savior's birth. 
Advent should be a time that we focus on the greatest gift of all so that we can worship him through the word and we can give of our whole mind, body, and soul to him. There's generally special music and oh my goodness, our worship team is second to none. They do such a terrific job. And so there's always special music and special readings and the lighting of the candles and specific sermons that are prepared for this time of year that help us to reflect and to rejoice. There are four Sundays of Advent and the four themes are hope, peace, joy, and love. Today is the first Sunday and we light the first candle, which is purple, and it symbolizes hope. It's also called a prophecy candle in remembrance of the prophets, especially Isaiah, who foretold the birth of Christ. It represents the expectation felt in anticipation of our coming Messiah. As we begin to think about Christmas and the Christmas story, we think about Mary and Joseph, a little town called Bethlehem, shepherds watching their flock, the three wise men, and the great nativity scene. But the real story of Christmas starts even before this time. The real story of Christmas starts B.C., before Christ. The real story of Christmas starts in a garden, and it actually begins with a single tree. Not a Christmas tree, y'all, not a Christmas tree, but a tree in the Garden of Eden that God told Adam and Eve not to eat from. They could have everything in this beautiful garden, but they were not to touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was the only thing that he asked them not to touch. Everything else he made for their pleasure. And yet, where did Adam and Eve end up? They end up hanging around the tree they're not supposed to eat from. I know most of you, if you're on my Facebook page, have, no, have um, seen that I've been on a weight loss journey over the last year. And so I gotta tell you, chocolate cake is not anything that I eat. So if you can't have chocolate cake, I'm not going to hang out at the bakery, right? <laughs> but that's what they did. They went and hung out by the tree that they were not supposed to eat of. You know, it also reminds me growing up with my brothers. Mom and dad would say not to do something, and as soon as we thought they had turned the corner and they wouldn't see us, we went and did it anyway, right? I always tend to blame my brothers. I said, the devils made me do it. That's what I said. <laughs> so Adam and Eve are in this perfect paradise, and you know how the rest of the story goes. They ate the forbidden fruit and sin began. And God showed up and he calls out to Adam and he says, where are you? And Adam says, we were hiding. And God says, why are you hiding? And Adam said, because we're naked. 
And God said, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat of? What do you think Adam does? He begins to blame it on Eve. He threw her right under the bus, y'all. He said, it's the woman you gave me. You know, the one that tries to correct my driving. The one you gave me to remind me to put my shoes away and to yell at me to take out the trash. It's the woman that you gave me. She gave me the first fruit and I ate it. And guess what? Men have been blaming women ever since, y'all. And then here it is. We see the prophecy of a savior to come. We see the first Christmas verse in the Bible, Genesis 3:15. God is talking directly to Satan. He says, "I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel." Satan is our enemy. He will do anything he can to get us to take our eyes off Jesus and to follow his evil ways, just like he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. The phrase, you will strike his heel, refers to Satan's attempts to defeat Christ. But you know what? A blow to the heel can't kill you. However, a blow to the head can So God was revealing his plan to defeat Satan and offer salvation to the world through the birth, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. This is the first prophecy that a Messiah is to come. Another prophecy that a Messiah is to come we find in the book of Isaiah. Let me give you a quick background on um, this passage on the book of Isaiah and on Isaiah Isaiah is one of the most well-known prophets in the Bible for his prediction of the coming Messiah. Isaiah juxtaposes warnings of judgment and destruction with uplifting promises of hope and prosperity. The book of Isaiah has been called the fifth gospel because it's filled with so much good news. It was written over 700 years before the time of Christ. Isaiah's name means Jehovah saves. Isaiah ministered in the south, in the land of Judah, during a time of cultural corruption. Part of his mission was to warn the people there would be destruction and captivity unless they would repent. In the book of Isaiah, we see that the kingdom of Israel split in half, leaving the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was called Judah, and the southern kingdom was where the descendants of David still sat on the throne. Judah's king was named Uzziah, and in Isaiah the sixth chapter, Uzziah died, which was a huge problem, because Uzziah was a great king, He was strong, he was prosperous, and all of the people loved him. So Uzziah's son, Jotham, took over for about 16 years, and then he passes the reins to his son, Ahaz. So in chapter 7, Ahaz is Judah's king. The plot was to overthrow 
Jerusalem, but God sends Isaiah to Ahaz, and his message is this. Don't worry about them, because I, God, have your back. God is going to protect you, but Ahaz doesn't listen. God tells Ahaz, in order for me to prove to you that this is going to happen, ask me for a sign. God says, ask for anything and I'll do it for you to prove to you and to all of Judah that I am going to protect you. In an effort to solidify Ahaz's faith, God is giving him a second chance because he's not reached out to him. Ahaz could have asked God for anything. While I was preparing my message, this really hit me. God does this for us too. He gives us every opportunity to show our faith in him and to trust him. To give him the hard stuff. To give him all of our struggles and our concerns and our anxieties. There is nothing too hard for our God. And yet we, like Ahaz, choose to take care of things in our own way, don't we? And like Ahaz, we say, I am not going to ask for anything. I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God. But Ahaz is not asking God because his trust is not in God. Ahaz puts his trust someplace else. He trusts God, but he trusts the Assyria military even more. So instead of trusting God, where are you putting your trust today? A friend? A doctor? A career? And your money? Or are you putting your trust in a loving God that has your back and wants to protect you? So Ahaz does not put trust in God, and Isaiah rebukes him. Isaiah 7, 13 says, Listen, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? And God's response to this is in verse 13. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So the sign that God chose for Ahaz and for all of Judah is that a virgin will conceive and bear a son and that he'll be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God gives him three things there, right? A sign, a son, and a savior. This is a sign to Ahaz and to Judah and to all of the descendants of David that God is going to keep his promise to them. That he's going to send a descendant to the throne of David and that he's going to be born and he's going to have the mark of God on him because he will be born of a virgin in a supernatural way in a way that only God can bring about. Isaiah 7.14 is predicting the unusual birth of Jesus. 
And I am sure that you all have heard stories and you've read things about unusual births. I'm going to share some today. Aramati Mangama is currently the oldest living woman to have given birth. On September the 5th of 2019, she gave birth to twin girls at the age of 73. The world's most premature baby to survive was born, to, born in Alabama at 21 weeks gestation and weighed less than a pound. And the largest baby to survive birth was born in 1879 and weighed, are you ready ladies? 22 pounds. Y'all, that's a toddler. <sighs> The longest labor on record is a Polish woman, and they actually put her almost completely upside down in the bed, and she lay there for 75 days to carry those two babies to term. And these are just a few examples of unusual births, but certainly Jesus still holds the record for the most unusual birth. The birth of Jesus is a true miracle story. You really must believe in miracles to appreciate the impact of his birth. And actually, if you want to be technical, it wasn't his birth that was the miracle because every birth is a miracle. What was supernatural was his conception. That's the true miracle of Christmas. And there, too, there have been a lot of misinterpretations and misconceptions about the conception through the years. A lot of falsehoods because people have tried to explain something that can't be explained. But that's what a miracle is, right? Something that can't be explained by natural or scientific laws. But it's of divine origin, I explored some of these crazy things as well that people have said to explain that, the birth. One theory, or the conception, I'm sorry, one theory was that Jesus was the illegitimate child of a Roman soldier who had a love affair with Mary. In the 8th century, it was said that Mary conceived a child by a neighbor that came in the night. It was dark and she didn't know it wasn't Joseph and her neighbor had sex with her and she conceived a child. A book in the 1960s called The Passover Plot, they claimed that Jesus was the natural son of Joseph and Mary and viewed Jesus as a master conspirator that wanted to be the Messiah and attempted to fulfill prophecies. And the author denies that Jesus was God incarnate and denies the virgin birth. And these are just a few of the crazy things that people have said through the years. The virgin birth is a fact of Christmas. And you know what? We talk about it so nonchalantly. We talk about it like we talk about Santa Claus and the Christmas tree and the gifts with our names on them. But the reality is that the virgin birth is so much more than just some tradition that we bring up at Christmas time, isn't it? And there are so many Christians that don't even understand the importance of why Jesus had to be born of a virgin and why it matters to our faith. And I want to give you four things here. 
of why it matters. Number one, the virgin birth of Jesus is a fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith, and it's essential to affirm one's belief in the Bible. If you reject the virgin birth, you are rejecting the Bible. Number two, belief in the virgin birth is essential to affirm the deity or the divine nature of Christ. Number three, belief in the virgin birth is essential to affirm the sinless humanity of Jesus Christ. If there's no virgin birth, then Jesus had a human father. And if Jesus had a human father, then he had a sinful nature and he could not be the sinless sacrifice of atonement for our sins. And number four, belief in the virgin birth is essential to affirm that Jesus Christ is the Savior. We have to believe that the virgin birth, or we have, we have to believe in the virgin birth or we have no Savior. Christmas isn't just a story that's supposed to make us feel all warm and fuzzy. But the Christmas story is a story about a lost people who are alienated from God because of sin. And there was no way that we could save ourselves. And so God stepped into human history as Jesus and he put on skin and he came to the earth and went to the cross for us. The Christmas story is all about the baby the perfect baby boy, the Messiah born on that glorious night. In Matthew, we see where the prophecy in Isaiah is actually fulfilled. Matthew, the first chapter, verses 21 through 23. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was the hope of the Old Testament believers, and this fulfilled prophecy of the virgin birth, and it is the most powerful evidence that the Bible is divine rather than being of human origin. In closing, let me share a story. There's a school teacher that shared this story. She's from England. She shares that at Christmas time, she supervised her children in her classroom as they built a nativity scene. There was an angel There was a shepherd, Mary, and Joseph, and wise men. The teacher did notice one of her students who was particularly enamored by it all and was forever going back and forth, back and forth, just observing everything that was going on. She went over and she asked him, is there anything bothering you? And he said, no. She said, are there any questions 
that you would like to ask me? And he said, yes. What I'd like to know is where does God fit in? As we begin the Advent season, we should be spending more time reflecting and looking at all God has done in our lives and everything that he's planning to do in the future. But we all know what happens. It starts to get hectic with all the present buying and all the parties and the kids' programs and much time spent around decorating for the season. And those are all really fun things. But we really should spend time asking ourselves, where does God fit in? Many of us enjoy all the excitement of the season, but are we forgetting what was given to each of us the day Jesus was born? Our Savior entered this world to fulfill the prophecies given in the Old Testament of a coming Messiah, that he would be born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. He would be of the tribe of Judah and from the family of David, that his family would flee to Egypt so they could escape Herod's massacre of infants, and that he would be called Emmanuel, and he would save his people from their sins. Instead of looking to Christmas this year as a time of food, fun, gifts, and parties, and all of those things are okay, but instead of looking to all of that, let's reflect on all he has blessed us with and the promises we have been given. Let's reflect and remember our Jesus, born of a virgin, who walked this earth, who died a horrible death on a cross for me and for you. And all we have to do is to believe that and to receive that. And we will spend an eternity in paradise with Jesus. Are you 100% sure today that that's where you're going? If you're not, I will be down front here at the end of the service. And I would love nothing more than to, than to pray with you so that you have that assurance today. Let this be the year that we truly make Jesus the real reason that we celebrate the season. And let us begin by asking, where does Jesus fit in? And let's make Jesus the center of Christmas. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for we know not what we do. We get so caught up in everything that's going around us. And Father, it becomes very easy to forget the reason for Christmas. But Father, may you be at the center of everything that we do this season. Father, may we put God in every 
piece of Christmas. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you loved us enough to send him. And Father, thank you that if we've accepted you, we'll spend eternity with you. All these things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.